I have to confess that in my reading and study of this book of Daniel, that I had to read it and reread it and read it again. And even then, some things were just not falling into place. And so this book demands tremendous attention and focus that we might be able to glean from it. It's a bit like the book of Revelation, and I commented then uh, when we were preaching through that book that you need to let it soak. It's something you have to let it get a grip of you and grow upon you. And I trust that tonight that as we come to this eighth chapter, this second vision of Daniel, that we will give it all of our attention. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. We're turning again to the book of Daniel, chapter 8 this time. Oh, what an exciting chapter. The visions of Daniel that made him physically sick. Such was the impression that was made upon him, and such were the announcements of God's destructions upon the nations that he couldn't take it anymore. He fell on his face, and God had to hold him up. Oh, that we were also held up and given an understanding of these things. I trust that you are a Bible student and that you will take your Bible today to Daniel chapter 8, read it, and follow along as we dig into the meaning of these visions by Daniel. Visions that were so powerful and visions that are already now fulfilled. That's the exciting thing. Stay tuned as we move to Daniel chapter 8. We are dealing with Daniel's second vision. As we see in this book, it is a very fearful thing to look into the future. It is much better for us not to know than to be given an insight in what's going to be happening next year or next century or whatever number of years from now. You'll see how this vision made Daniel physically sick for certain days. Could you imagine being given some vision or insight of the destruction of your nation, of some foreign aggressive enemy that invades the land and it destroys city after city, Montreal, Toronto, Winnipeg, Regina, Calgary. And then that army crosses the mountains over to the coast, and Vancouver is in line for total destruction. If you were given such a scene and were convinced that such things would one day be fulfilled, you too would be physically sick and ready to throw up. Now, the place of this vision is very interesting. It was not at Babylon, although it was under King Belshazzar. Now that means we're going backwards in time. Belshazzar was a Chaldean. He was the son or grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. So we're going back in time. We're going back in place, but it's not Babylon. It is Shushan. 
Shushan would be found in Iran today. It is the city of Shush today. And there he was by a river called Ulai. And that river still exists. And this shows that the exiled Jews were not confined to Babylon. They spread out. And as ever the case in God's purposes, he was using the Jewish people to make the name of Jehovah known far and wide. Note too that Daniel paid very close attention to this vision. If you read verse 3 of chapter 8, it will tell you, um, Then I lifted up mine eyes and saw and behold. What he saw shocked him. Behold. What he saw was he gave it all of his attention. And I wish tonight that every one of us will give full attention. I have to confess that in my reading and study of this book of Daniel, that I had to read it and reread it and read it again. And even then, some things were just not falling into place. And so this book demands tremendous attention and focus that we might be able to glean from it. It's a bit like the book of Revelation, and I commented then uh, when we were preaching through that book that you need to let it soak. It's something you have to let it get a grip of you and grow upon you. And I trust that tonight that as we come to this eighth chapter, this second vision of Daniel, that we will give it all of our attention. I want to look at it very simply by firstly looking at what Daniel saw in the vision. We'll look there from 3 to 14. Then from verse 15 to 26, we will look at what Daniel understood of the vision. And then in the last verse, how Daniel responded. Now, that's always the part the preacher is interested in, because the best part of the sermon is not while you're seated in church. The best part of the sermon is when you go out the door and you've got to live the Word of God in your life. That's the challenge. And when we look at Daniel receiving this vision and Gabriel making him to understand it, we want to see what he did with it. What kind of man Daniel really was. Our first task then is to look in verses 3 to 14 at what Daniel saw in this vision. And it takes time to fix this into our heads, especially when we're dealing with these symbols. We have the symbol of a ram, the symbol of a he-goat, and we have the symbol of a little horn. I'm not going to try to add or comment much in these verses right up to verse 14, but simply point out the facts, what is stated in this vision. We're told that the ram pushed westward, and that ram, representing some king, is expanding its empire, and it grows mighty and great. And 
In verses 3 to 4, this ram with two horns, with one horn higher than the other, and the ram came right up to the river of Uli. And there was Daniel staring this ram eyeball to eyeball, looking at those horns, one raised and one lower. And then in verse 5, Daniel saw this he-goat that appeared from the west. And he had a notable horn between his eyes. He appeared to be leaping over the ground, a rapid, fast-moving creature. And that was the scene that was conveyed to Daniel while he received that vision. And then in verse 7, that he goat attacked the ram and totally obliterated it, stomping upon it with its feet, so that that king or empire was no more. And this king represented by this he goat coming from the east, moving westward, that, uh, sorry, from the west eastward, it is taking all the ground by conquest. In verse, uh, in verse 9, we're told that out of that uh, a conquest of the goat that was strong, in verse 8, it made itself strong. And then in verse 9, out of that came the little horn. So, if you were to draw yourself a little tree, you would have this, a map of the Middle Eastern world. Here is Daniel at Shushan in Iran, Persia. He's given this, this scene of a vast array of territory. And you can see this ram that is pushing all the way westward. And then he's pushed back by a he-goat from the west. And then out of that comes this other little horn. Now, so much of the focus of this vision is on the little horn. So much is said about it. So much is given to Daniel about it. And if you read verses 9, 10, and 11, you will see that this little horn, out of one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceeding great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the pleasant land. Now, if you mark your Bible, put a circle around the pleasant land. That is very significant. We're not yet given what that land is, but we will. And we are told in verse 10, it waxed great even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some to the host of the stars to the ground and stomped upon them. Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And an host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression, and it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. Now, you can make your own list of the acts and wicked evil deeds of this little horn. My list is this. He took away the daily sacrifice. 
He caused the sanctuary to be cast down. He prospered a long time against the truth. And in verse 13, he is a persecutor of the saints so that they are crying out, how long? They become weary of this long persecution under the little horn. And so Daniel saw the big picture. And if we just revise it again, we have this, this Western nation, the ram pushing eastward. We have the counter forces coming from the east, destroying the ram. And then the very goat itself is defeated. And out of that comes the little horn. Now, need I tell you that there are many, many preachers on prophecy, and they will bring out of these things some very wild and wonderful things. They like to preach with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other, and they might say that this is Stalin, or this is Hitler, or this is Chairman Mao, or some other persecuting leader, and they will have their man in mind as they preach these things. Now, we're not free to do that. Let me say that as Bible readers, as Bible students, as men and women committed to a proper treatment of the Word of God, just as you would do with the book of Romans, or as you would do in the book of Matthew, you must read it in context, you must ask, what is the grammar? What is the significance of this? And are there any keys to understanding this? Well, don't we all love it when the Bible interprets itself? And boy, didn't we love it when we heard the command given to Gabriel, make Daniel understand the vision. And then we get all these verses, 15, 16, on downwards, and we are given the interpretation. And so we have firstly what Daniel saw, then we come to what Daniel understood. Verse 16, we have the man standing at the river calling out, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. And so we have an interpreter, and he's not some Joe Blow from Texas, or from some other crazy cult that is trying to come to the Bible to come up with a scheme that works for their own ends and purposes. We have a messenger from God. We have it recorded here in the Bible itself. Now, I'm going to ask you tonight, who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to those who love wild schemes or are you going to keep to God's messenger who opens up to Daniel the very interpretation in this passage? So we start at verse 16, and we have Gabriel speaking. Now, this is just amazingly wonderful. In my little habit of study, I took the Bible text and I put it into columns. I have column one, the Bible text, and then I have column two, some of certain views and ideas about it. And then in column three, I have notes that I can preach on it that I know are certain and true, and I can and take great confidence in that. 
Now, this verse 16 to 26, I took the highlighter and I made it all red because it's, it, it's really the messenger of God. It, it is like the Lord himself speaking here. It's not man. It is a divine messenger. Gabriel is speaking here in this very message. And you'll see how Daniel listened up out of godly fear. In verse 17, he fell on his face. He recognized the messenger. He revered the messenger. And this, you'll see that, the, that I was afraid and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, understand, O thou son of man. So we're not dealing here with wild mysteries. We're not dealing here with strange notions that cannot be understood by a human intelligence. Understand. And of course, that's always true when we come to the Bible. When you come to the Bible, it is God speaking for men. And here in this passage, we have the word of the Lord brought right down. And we see Daniel was humbled as he stood before God's messenger. Now, note in verse 17 that Gabriel told Daniel, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. At the time of the end shall be the vision. Now, some make that to be the end of the world. Hmm, that would be interesting. Some make this the great tribulation that shall fall upon the church before the end of the world and they consider that the end times some little period very close to the actual return of the Lord down to the earth. Now, I want you to think about this because we're supposed to understand. This is not supposed to go over our heads. It's something that we can get our fingers into and grasp. Gabriel then lifted Daniel up and he set him up. School teachers probably do that sometimes. Some little rascal that's rolling around and he just grabs it. Look, you sit there and you listen and get this into your head. And Gabriel takes a dealing with Daniel and he said, now, we don't want any, some kind of false piety and we want you to be getting into mysteries and things that are going over your head. Get this. And then he says in verse 19, the time is appointed. At the time appointed, the end shall be. Now read verse 19 in its entirety. Behold, I will make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation. Now, it's a time appointed. Some people say it's the end of the world. Some people say it's a little time of tribulation before the end of the world. For at the time appointed, it shall be. Now, I want to pause here. I want to insert a little note. It makes good sense that the end of the indignation and the end of the time is the problem on hand. It's what Daniel is seeing. The goat, the ram, the little horn. It's not some off-the-page, off-side event. Some commentators stated 
This is the end of the problem on hand. It is specific to one thing. And there's where danger comes in in Bible interpretation, where you get people saying, well, it can refer to this and that. It can refer to this and the other thing too. Now, I understand sometimes there is typology in the Bible where you have events in the Old Testament and it refers to Christ. And that's proper. We do that. But it, when it comes to interpreting times and seasons and events and eschatology, uh-uh, uh-uh. Let's not try to get layers of meaning out of the statements of the Scripture. Now, in verse 20, Gabriel does a wonderful job. And I like Gabriel because he's actually very brief. Sometimes we think Gabriel's Gabriel because he's got a gift of the gab. That's why he's called Gabriel. But he's really very brief. And he says in verse 20, The ram which thou sawest, having two horns, are the kings of Media and Persia. Now, we learned that those two nations merged somewhere, and they worked together. They were really one, and so that was uh, the ram. And then in verse 21, you have the rough goat. This is the king of Grisha. And so we're talking about real kings out of real nations in real time. Now, this conquest of the rough goat from the east, there was a tremendous conqueror called Alexander the Great, who in 323 was given the uh, power of invasion, and he left his country, and he just swept up the nations from India to Egypt and Israel in between. And so this rough goat that is depicted as with, with great rapidity, this goat traveling above ground swiftly, You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, and this is Ian Golliher. Today we are rejoicing in these prophecies of Daniel, and I must admit that this study of Daniel chapters 7 and 8 have thrilled my soul. I'm sure you can tell that they have strengthened my confidence in the Bible, in God's promises, and have given full assurance that future prophecies shall also be fulfilled. I hope it is done so to you also. The lesson of this fulfilled prophecy is that God reigns supreme. God gave the prophecy. God gave the time for it to be worked out. God lifted up nations, used them for a time to fulfill his purposes, and then brought them down to the dust. God moves kings and nations like chessmen on a board. Think of the wisdom to do that. Think of the power of God to move men and ensure the outcome of each movement in history. To do it in sequence according to God's calendar is amazing. There is nothing like it in any other treatment of history. How can men not see the mighty hand of God at work in this history? We need to remember that God is still ruling the world today. No matter the nation, no matter the culture, nor the leaders at the top, God is in control of each one. The outcome is certain. 
We know that God's purpose is to build his church. God will again and again shake the nations, as he would say, to gather out his people. After all, it is God's world, and all men are his creatures. He will work as he pleases, and in time he will build his church. You cannot defy God and prosper. The gospel calls us to bow the knee to the Lord. We are to go to his cross for peace with God. We are to plead the cleansing power of Jesus' blood to take shelter from the very commotions of this world. For it shall end, and it shall be burnt up by fire. That's why we need Christ as our Lord and Savior. The history foretold by Daniel was all about God preparing the world for the coming of Christ. Today's history is in the making is all about God preparing the world for Christ's second coming. Are you ready? Are you saved? Let me ask you that directly. Are you under the blood of Jesus? Have you come to the cross for cleansing? Are you delivered from the guilt of your sins? If the Lord was to return today or tonight, would you be safe or would you be under judgment? That's the great question. And that's the great need for you to prepare to seek God and to know him within your very heart. Now, the gospel is really very simple. I'll give you the ABC. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone in this world needs a savior. Everyone is guilty. Everyone is stained by sin. And everyone needs to be washed in the blood of Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. That's B. There's the answer. Here's the remedy. Behold the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus, on the cross, suffering as a substitutionary lamb in silence, voluntarily offering up his own body, pouring out his own blood as a sacrifice for sin to save your soul. That's the gospel. That's the remedy. The blood of Jesus alone can wash away your sin. And then call on the name of the Lord, and thou shalt be saved. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you must call. You must come in prayer. You must come with your heart's sincere desire to be saved, to be free from sin, and to be delivered from this world, that you may be brought into God's family and made ready for his eternal kingdom. Now, God, by his Spirit, is working today in the world to call out a people from a, a world in commotion, a world at war, a world under the curse, to bless you with his salvation. So come, and if I can help you, please be in touch. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived 
by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 187- 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. <music>